0: Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. Some free time, so I discovered a show on Netflix, and it's called Rust Valley. I don't know if anybody's ever watched it. You guys would, yeah. You know the guy. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, and um, I just I, I, I watched the I watched the first episode, and it's it's about a car restoration company, and they live um, in near Salmon Arm, and um, and I was watching. I'm not usually drawn to. Like, I'm not a car guy. I love, I'm, as, I'm, <laughs> as I'm getting older, I'm really loving the old cars, like the 60s and the 70s cars. But I don't know nothing about it. You know, this is like, yeah, it's got a 425 block, five, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I just want to know if it's shiny and if it goes fast. Like, um, but I was watching this, and I, it's, it's season one is on Netflix, and it's got, uh, it's, there's eight episodes, and they're 45 minutes each. And I got sucked in, and you know and i and i it's like a new way of binge watching. I watched the entire season in like four days, and uh what's not new? no, no, I know it's not it's just it's just what you do. <laughs> it is new. I grew up in the seventies anyway, don't distract me what what struck me was the fact that they could take is not rusted out but rust covered. Shell of a 66 Acadian and turn it into this beautiful, I think it was orangey something, Chevy 2 with this big engine with big wheels, and and it was like, wow. I know I'm not describing it because I'm not a car guy. But what it struck me was the creativity in these guys that are in there. And 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 you think, well, that's not creative. That's just, they're just mechanical. I'm like, no, they, they talked about vision and they talked about what they saw. They saw this gutted out car, hull, and they were happy because the frame was actually not bent. And they said, we can do something with this. We can, I actually see. And then there was conflict in the vision of like, I want to do this. No, I'm doing this. You put me in charge of this. I'm going to do it my way. And I have a vision. And at the end of the show they do the big reveal and it's just this like they show the before and the after. And I was like, That's creative. That's God. That is the creativity of the Lord on people. Whether they're following the Lord or not, whether they know who Jesus is or not, they're actually working within the realms of who God's created them to be. Brian is is, is another one, like April's husband. He's like he's just got this mind to to fix, right? It's creative. It's a creative, like, could he cook in the kitchen? I don't know. Is he? No, he's useless. Right? Well, that's creative. That's creatively disgusting. But hey, it's, (laughs) what I'm saying is that there's different people But every person, and I've said this before, every person in this room is creative, has a creative something in them. It's just up to us to discover what that creativity is. And it's like us living, it's, it's living living in a realm of color. I don't know how often um, we get caught up as we grow in Christ, as we mature. Oftentimes, we move to black and white. Does that make sense? I don't know if I made that. I'll, I'll define it more. Sometimes in the space of faith and belief, we end up in a spot of black and white. How many of you remembered when you first became a Christian, when you first gave your heart to Jesus, when you first... Life was color. It was like, I remember I was 10 years old, you know, sitting in a stairwell at a Christian school, and I had been wooed by the Holy Spirit for probably a year to a year and a half before that. And it was part of my process, and when I made that initial commitment... I opened my eyes, and it was almost like I saw for the very first time a world of color. And then as I got older and became more taught and more mature, that color dimmed, and I went to black and white. We get caught in this sense of black and white, right and wrong, good and bad, and we limit ourselves, we take ourselves out of the creative minds of, of of Christ we take ourselves out of that creativity and we subject ourselves just to black and white and we forget about the whole realm of the kingdom of color we know what's right and wrong that's good you know we're taught that's right and that's wrong we have clarity and we know what is true and what is false but if we stop there if we're not careful we become judgmental and condemning. If we don't allow, um, if we're not growing in empathy and compassion, we're actually going to be the very best stone throwers that the kingdom has ever known. And and it it comes to the point where, where, and Christianity is known for this, we're not known for throwing the best parties and hanging out like Jesus did. Jesus was known for going to the best parties, hanging out with every single person, and people loved him, and yet he was the most morally upright, he was the most passionate man that ever lived, that ever walked on the earth, and yet he could do so with empathy, empathy and compassion like the world has never seen. And yet we've taken that and we've, we've turned the kingdom into right or wrong. If you do that, you're wrong. If you do this, you're right, maybe. But if you if you, if you go a little bit more, you're going to be wrong. And so we've turned the kingdom into right and wrong, black and white, and we forget that actually God has created the spectrum. He's, he's created us. He's, he's a creative God. I mean look at the colors on those banners. Look at, Just look, look around you. We see in, in, in color. It's said that animals only see in black and white. It's because there's a creativity that God has put us in us, in our spirits, to know color, know the vibrancy of the kingdom. Know who he is and walk within it and live and grow in compassion and empathy with people. We don't know the situations that everybody are in. As deep as my convictions go, I have some very deep convictions that I say, this is right. This is where where I draw the line. But if my compassion and my empathy don't grow with that, if my kindness doesn't go deeper with the maturity that I'm walking into, then I become judgmental. When the, when the convictions that you hold don't grow in compassion and empathy, then you become judgmental. And it's something I believe that we have, we have really got a handle on here at House of Hope where we, we walk in freedom and we walk in, in compassion. We do walk in empathy. But it's almost like God is taking us from this level to a higher level. He's, he's, he's upgrading us. It's like House of Hope 1.0 to House of Hope 2.0. And everybody within House of Hope, you're at different processes. You know, maybe Daviana 5.0, and he wants to take you to 6.0. It could be Richard, you know, is, is 13.6, and he wants to take you to 14. It's like
1: everybody has to be growing, we all have to be moving into higher levels. We live in a kingdom of color. There's more to the kingdom than just right and wrong. There's more to
0: God that is just true and false. The world of color is where we're being invited into. So we need to develop a new mindset. We need to develop a new skill set to understand that it's okay to question. It's okay to to step into something that we don't know. We're being upgraded. How many remember the significance of 2007? What happened
1: in 2007 that changed the world? Nope. That was 2008. (laughs) Right and wrong, black and white.
0: (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's a thing. Something happened in 2007. What's that? 2007. September 2007. I think it was September 2007.
1: Something significant happened that changed the world. Are you getting it yet? Nope, that was 2010. Anybody? The iPhone. Here, I'm sitting here saying,
0: when have I ever just stood there speaking to you and I'm playing on my phone? Everybody, you're all looking on your phones. You're all like, oh, I'm going to find out. I'm just going to. 2007, Steve Job stood in front of whoever, and they, they broadcast their reveal. And he says, I'm releasing something today that is going to change the world. He says, we have a new iPod, That's and then he showed a picture. We have a new camera that we're releasing, and we have a new phone. And then all of a sudden, the three images shifted into one, and he presented the iPhone. Now, what was different about the iPhone was it, was, it truly revolutionized how we do phones. It was the very first phone that had a touch interface with your fingers. You didn't have a keypad. You could... You could store things. You could listen to music. You could actually have on the first iPhone, you could have up to 10,000 songs, up to 3,500 pictures. And according to the other phones on the market, it was fast. And it had a battery life of like three hours. It was amazing. So it wasn't just a phone. It was a camera. It wasn't just a phone and a camera, but a music player as well. How many of you recently have, like since 2007, let's just think of this, so in the last, how long is that? Thirteen years. I've actually taken a picture, like a, a a photo. You have a photo, a paper photo, in your hands, and you looked at it, and you go, "I can't see what's on that photo, so I want to pinch and zoom." <laughs> Anybody? Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> see, Kyle
0: does it on her textbook. I right, "Look, I can't see that." I can't. Prior to 2007 there was no pinch zoom. We didn't we didn't we didn't have it. But Steve Jobs and his creativity released something that all of a sudden this device demanded a new skill set to use, demanded a new way of thinking, and some of us are still having a hard time even adjusting to that. And that's okay. Right? A new skill set was required to function this device. I laugh because Deanna and I watch NCIS, and the character, the the main character, Gibbs, is he's stuck in the in the 80s and the 90s. He's got a flip phone, and he's having a difficult time because he can't find new flip phones. what's the matter with this? It works. Let's just and they bug him. He says, oh, boss, here, use this." No, I'm not using that. There's a resistance to change. There's a resistance for upgrades. And in 2007, when that phone was released, I wanted one. I was like, I said to Deanna, I said, I can't, I want one. I didn't get one. Uh, I think it was three years later I got my first iPhone, and it was the iPhone 3G, 3GS. Yeah, so it was the third. Was it the third or the second? Third. It was the third upgrade from the original, and that was fine because it was the fastest. It was awesome. I remember carrying it out of TELUS in the mall, and I was like, this is awesome. I can take pictures and the pictures were so grainy and but it was awesome because I could have like thousands of pictures on my phone and I just loved it. Cuz prior to that, I had a Motorola, one of those big block, you know, they were like pull out the antenna and and then I had a smaller one that had the a really cool keyboard built right in, but it was a flip phone and so when the iPhone came out, I thought that's that's innovation. And I really believe that that as Christians, as, as believers, as people in the kingdom, we need to be aware of when God is getting ready to upgrade us. One of the, the downsides of, of having, uh, say, like, this is, this is an iPhone XS. They get updates. And people say, oh, you read online and they go, don't get the update. It's got bugs. Don't do this because it's going to lock up your phone i'm always the one that actually actually already does update my phone it comes out and i'm like sweet do i have 45 minutes yep hit the button i'm committed and then zach comes down and he says don't dad don't update your phone it's got glitches I'm like already done he goes is it working i said yeah it's working it's fine and i don't see anything Oh, okay then i'll do it andrew comes home dad don't don't update your phone it's got glitches i said i already did he says oh is it working? I said, yeah, it's fine. I don't see anything. Oh, okay. So then he updates his phone. Now we get to the point where Zach comes home. He says, Dad, did you get the update? It works. Right? And I'm like, Yeah, awesome. I just haven't had time. I've always been the type of guy who updates their phones right away. I just, I don't care. Because if, if it's Apple, it works. Or used to, anyway.
1: Who here waits for their updates on their phones? Who waits?
0: Yeah, they'll wait, you'll wait a couple weeks to make sure, yeah, yeah, well, that's too bad, we'll pray for you for that, but, but, you know, and it's okay to wait to see if it's going to work, because there are, there, God has created us to be people who are either, they want to see if it's going to work, and then they'll flow, or if they want to be breakers, and people who are actually cutting through the stuff to make sure it works. It's, it's, it's not an anointing. It's, it's part of your gifting. It's part of your character. It's part of who you are. I've always wanted to be at the edge. I've always wanted to, if something is, is not working, I've wanted to figure out how to, how to make it better. I'm constantly thinking about how to make things better. Usually it's food. Honestly, to be true, like, I mean, in this week, I don't know what it is, but I've had an amazing week cooking. It was Zach's birthday. I did. I did a cake for him, a cheesecake for him, and something didn't work on work on it. I just, I just kept my mouth shut. Everybody ate it, loved it. Afterwards, I'm talking to Zach. I said, "Hey, did you notice the frosting was off?" He goes, "No, I didn't notice." I said, "Yeah, it's when it says soften the butter, make sure you soften the butter because it just didn't. There's little chunks of butter in the in the frosting." Yeah, you know. I need. I did a Chinese food dish that was just amazing. I've had this cookbook for 30 years, that it's. I use I've, well, I've memorized the recipe now, but I've used this cookbook to make dumplings, and the dumplings were amazing. And I and I thought I have never once in thirty years made any other dish out of this cookbook. Why is that? I just it's it's my dumpling cookbook, and I take it out every few years just to make sure I've got the recipe right for the dumplings. So Dan says, I, I feel like chow mein. Should we order in? I said no. I think I can make some. And I and so I opened up this book, and sure enough, there's this pork pork chow mein recipe, and I was like, wow, huh, whoa, this is, and it was the best chow mein I've ever had, to be honest, right, and then on, and the other day, we had a little get-together for Zach's birthday on, on Friday, and he wanted a cake, and I was like, okay, how what kind of cake, and he says, I don't know, and I said, well, what about a lemon bundt cake, he loves citrus, and he goes, yeah, that's great, and so, shh, making it up, and it just didn't look right, and I'm like, okay, well, I pour it into the, into the pans, throw them in the oven, timed it, took it out. Didn't look quite right, but I'm like, eh, it'll be okay. Flip it out to, to drop the cake out of the pan, and it, it just crumbled. The whole thing just, Trifle it is. A trifle it was. So I made up some lemon, lemon curd and made a meringue, and Deanne put the two together, we made a trifle, and everybody loved it. Put some raspberries in it. Instead of throwing out the cake, creativity kicks in and say, what can I do with this? And oftentimes, God is calling us to be creative in our circumstances. To, to, to If things don't work out the way they're supposed to, what can I do? And I, it goes beyond the If life gives you lemons, what do you do, right? Throw them back at them. Make sure they're rotten and throw it back at them. But no, it's just like you, you just come up with ways. In the past... I would have freaked out, gone down to Dairy Queen, probably got an ice cream cake and said I'm never going to cook again. That's just not true. Right? But you just you you adapt, you change, you upgrade, you think, you go, what can I do with this? That's where the creativity comes in.
1: Moving from Moving from 1.0 to
0: 2.0 is hard because Oftentimes, what we're leaving works. Oftentimes, what we are leaving works. you are like, well, why would I leave it? Why would I, why would I go from an iPhone, original iPhone, to an iPhone 10? Why would I do that? My iPhone works. Actually, it wouldn't work anymore. The original iPhone is so outdated that it won't work on today's networks. It is so slow, it is so um, antiquated, that it wouldn't work. You could literally not connect it to the, to the 4G systems. And now 5G is coming out. Well, eventually you're going to have to upgrade, whether it's kicking and screaming, or you just go backwards. And they still make
1: flip phones. They're not very popular. If you're not moving forward, then your past becomes your new
0: destination. How's that for you? If you're not moving forward, your past becomes your destination. I think that's where it is rooted in all oh, the good old days. How, how many of us have thought, oh man, life was so much simpler in the 80s. Or if you're older than that, life was so much simpler in the 50s. And yet, If if we're dwelling on that, we're not moving forward. And I've said it before, the kingdom of God is moving forward. Jesus said, it's like a mustard seed. It's growing. It's like a leavening. The bread, it's growing. It's always growing. It's always moving forward. Never once will you hear from this church or any other church, I believe you've ever been at, a pastor standing up there and saying, this is the year of decrease. Right? No, it's like, you've, you've never heard that. It's like, this is, I feel that like this is the year of increase. We're all getting better. We're all getting, right? It's encouraging because that's what's embedded in us, is the heart of God is us, for us to grow, is to is to continually to better, to make better our, ourselves. See, there's been a focus in the, in the Christian, in the Western Christian church for the last 100, 150 years, and it focuses on the fall and, and the, the redemption part of the, of the narrative. If you've been anywhere, you go like, oh, the fall of man, oh, you're evil, oh, you're bad. But then Jesus, and it's redemptive, and then you come back to, well, if you're not redemptive, then you must be still fallen. And it's fall and redemp- it's the fall and the redemption, the fall and the redemption. And we focused on our narrative on that. And there's got to be a bigger picture. God has actually created a bigger picture, and that's the creation, the fall, redemption, and then the fulfillment of all things. That's God's bigger
1: picture. Let's look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, And his fullness fills you.
0: That's a lot right there. His fullness fills you. Even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses, It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and the desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated living as rebellious children, subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God, God's got a really big butt. But God still, take a second, He's, he, there's a big butt there. It's, it's a capital B. <laughs> but God still loved us with his great love. But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For now we are co-seated as one with Christ. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation, for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. And then verse 10, we have become his poetry, or his workmanship in most of your versions. We are his workmanship. He recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he's given to each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. Isn't that amazing? And that's not something, like, oftentimes I've been taught that this is for the future. This is is for when we're dead and living in heaven. This is for the, but Paul, when he wrote it, it was a now word. And as we read it, it's a now word. Like, this is for us now. We are becoming alive sorry, we are alive, and we are getting greater we're actually moving from that glory to glory and one of the one of the biggest biggest wow that's a word one of the biggest um, what's the word I can't think of the word things that we have to wrap, wrap, wrap our brains around is the fact that we're the Bible says right there in ephesians that we're we're seated in, with Christ. In heavenly places. So right now we actually are multidimensional beings. We are standing here in Cranbrook, BC, at House of Hope at at eleven forty five a.m. We're sitting here. You're listening to me, and I'm talking to you. And at that same time, in another dimension, Jesus is right here, or there, under the right hand of, or seated with him. And it's got to be a reality that even though we're seated with him, we live here and we have to grow and we have to change and we have to upgrade
1: because just like Paul said, he raised us up with Christ and, sorry, that's not it. Oh, I lost it. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know where I'm going. We will
0: be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Christ. We are becoming that. And so how do we do that? How do we, how do we become people who are known for that kind of love? Like I said earlier, Jesus went to all the be- best parties, created wine, had people come to him. You know, like think of in John where the woman is thrown in front of Jesus and caught in adultery. He was amazing. He was intelligent. He didn't react. He responded to the, to the, to the, um, to the, to the situation. He had every right to say, yes, yeah, stoner, man. God's word says stoner. We don't need that. We don't need that kind of sin in front of us. Get out. Here, let me take the first stone.
1: He looked and he goes, okay. He who is without sin.
0: He's like, wow. And from the oldest to the youngest, they walked away realizing they had nothing to say at that. He looks down, picks her up. He says, woman, where's your accuser? She goes, I don't know. Neither do I accuse you. Stop doing what you're doing. That kind of compassion, that kind of empathy, we have to become, we have to be transformed into. We have to know that. It's part of our upgrade. We're going to go from black and white. If we want to go from black and white and and right and wrong and and judgment and and stuff, if if we live in that, we have to move into the
1: new realm of color. affect us today? What does a 2.0 Christian
0: look like? I believe a 2.0 Christian looks like someone who thinks about revival, transformation, and reformation. Most of us in this room have tasted revival or renewal. If you're thinking back to the 90s when the renewal fell on Toronto, it was an amazing time. And I've talked to pastors who were there. I was there. And I've talked to others who have not actually gone forward. And they look, they look at me and they go, Oh, Jeff, wasn't that just a glorious time? Wasn't that just and I was like, Yeah, it was. I was I was changed. It was like I got saved. I was born again, again. It was just but I've moved from that. And they go, What do you mean? just have to get back to those days and i was like no no we don't and i don't say that to their face because whatever i don't have time for that but we're in a sequence we we have to be as growing christians as as going grabbing this upgrade the father has for us going from a 1.0 to a 2.0 and we think about revival and the revival is like yes and we get revived personally we have this encounter with the holy spirit and then it's got to move us to something else or we get bored if, if it doesn't move us to something else, which is transformation, then we just get locked into a cycle. And I've seen people over the years, they go from conference to conference, and we've experienced it ourselves here at the House of Hope. We have a conference, and it's like, yay, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is here, and, and, you know, we have amazing fire tunnels, and then we go back to, quote-unquote, normal. Is that wrong? Well, it's not wrong, but are we living off of the experience of revival and not allowing God to transform us into another level how have we been transformed this week? How have we been transformed this this year it's, it's what is the date today February 9th you know so we 've had six weeks of, of twenty twenty have we changed? have we been transformed the bible says we 're transformed by the renewing of our what our minds so are our, our minds being transformed our behavior being transformed if if revival is spending if, if spending time in God's presence as revival and whatever that looks like to you doesn't invoke some change in us then i would propose to you that it's just a fun time because in the kingdom there's always transformation if we allow it we have to actually move forward in that transformation. And then when transformation has actually encompassed us, when it's like we are like, wow, I'm a different person. Like Travis stood up here today and you say like, I don't know what happened, but I know I'm changed. Soaking in God's presence for, for five months and doing what he was doing and work. He had to put work into that. It wasn't just show up and lay on the floor and get up and go, wow, I'm done. There were some decisions he had to make. There were some actions that he had to take. There were some mindsets that he had to break. There was some inner healing that had to be done, and he was cleaned up. And at the very same time, as that was going on, he seated with Christ in heavenly places. Getting that perspective of up here. Because down here, we're limited to what we can see. Up there, we see the whole narrative. And when we're seated with Christ, we can look and we can see there's crea- the creation, there's the fall. There's the restoration, or there's the redemption, and then there's the restoration of all things. That's God's big plan. But it takes work. And so moving into a 2.0 upgrade causes us to, to change, to grow, to change the way we think. We can't pinch and zoom static photos anymore. <laughs> Not that we ever could. How's that working out for you? And you laugh. Oh, oh I'm so stupid.
1: Yeah, give me my phone. Right? The challenge for the church is that we like to occupy space. But we don't often like to move
0: forward. I believe that God is calling calling us to move forward. To actually not just take space up, but to grow and to move forward. And to be a place, to be that light that he's called us to be. And we are. And it's not like we're not working. It's not like we're broken. I don't believe, and I'm not saying that House of Hope is broken. I'm just saying there's more. There's more for us. How do we function in this? How do we actually, what does this look like practically? I believe there's lots of ways. There's, you know... You can sit with the Holy Spirit and say, okay, how, can I, how do I function as a, <clears throat> as a 2.0 Christian? What, what are you calling me to? What area do I need to transform? Like what character, whatever. whatever? The, it's between you and the Holy Spirit. I can't stand up here and say, okay, as a church, we're going to do this. That doesn't work that way because we're all individuals, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us as individuals. But what I can do is put out a few things that I feel that we are going to work on in the next year. And the number one thing that I really feel for us is that we learn to respond and not react. I am the biggest reactor in the world. See, even that statement, <laughs> I, re- I react to things. I remember when I was in YWAM, I was called into the boss's office, he sits me down, and he goes, "Jeff, you need to learn to not react so violently." And to actually act. He used the word act instead of react. And I, learned, I started learning. He was, wow, you mean I, I don't realize that I was reacting. And Deanne looks at me, 26 years of marriage. Because man, she's used to it as I react. My daughter, she reacts. She's dramatic. I'm dramatic. As I've gotten older, I try to respond. It doesn't always work. But I believe as a culture, we have set ourselves up as a culture that reacts instead of responds. Facebook is an amazing picture of ones who react because they're not afraid. Putting something down, boom, everybody's on there. React, 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 react. Right? We live in a culture. We have a Yelp culture where, you know, if you go to a restaurant you don't like it, you can write a review. I didn't like this place. My waiter's tie was crooked. He was a slob. He shouldn't be in business. The owner should actually fire this guy because I didn't like the way he smelled. Where you get these reviews that you would actually never, ever say to somebody face-to-face. Because really, it doesn't matter. Oh, my tie was whatever, right? It's just, and we react to these things. So a definition of reaction is a typically quick Without much thought, it's tense and aggressive. Reaction, reactions typically provoke more reactions. If you find that this is true in your life, then you're probably a reactor as well. If you're causing more reactions in your life, you probably are that. And that's—I believe—it's something that the church has got to stop doing: is, that, is reacting. But we want to respond. Our response is thought out, calm. And not threatening. And I know, like I <laughs> I can't get into details, but something happened this last week with another pastor in town. And um and I internally I reacted. <sighs> and I and I had another um friend, another pastor, and I sat down, and I'm like blah 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 and he's like, Whoa. He's like, Let me handle this. This is what I would do. And he responded, and it totally brought me down, and I was thinking, dang, why couldn't I think of that at first? Why couldn't I be like that? I want to be like that guy. But I'm learning. I I don't react nearly as bad as I used to. So let's practice responding and not reacting. We have countless opportunities to do this. And we will have countless opportunities. And I believe if we, as even as a house, can con, um, commit to together that we're going to be a place that responds to people and not react, it's, gonna, it's going to cause us to be more of a place of love. Jesus always responded. He never reacted. Even in his flipping the tables in the temple, you think, well, that was a violent act. It was calculated. It was thought out. And it was a response to something that had been happening. It was a response. So how do we do this? How do we react, not react, and respond? How do we respond and not react? Well, first of all, let's make a decision right now that we're not going to react. It's, it's something in our hearts. We just respond, saying, I will not react to this. I, I covenant with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I will not react to my kids. I'm going to respond. I'm not going to react to my boss. I'm going to respond. I'm not going to react to this situation. I'm going to respond. It's a choice. Second one is let your emotions pass through you. How many of you are emotional people by nature? Right? Most of us left, is it left, right brain people are. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're, anyway, let your emotions pass through you. You know, you, something rises up and you're going, okay, all right. Because you cannot actually respond when your emotions are up here. You have to let, your emotions aren't wrong. They're not wrong. You just have to let them go. And you go, okay, how do I respond to this? And then find one word to describe how you're going to, how you're doing in that moment. And if you don't know, ask people around you. This is my situation and this is how I'm feeling kind of, can you help me with this? This is where community comes in. It could be a quick text. It could be a phone call. It could be a Facebook message. Hey, Roger, I just, this is what happened to me this week with this. I don't know how to process this. I need some wisdom. Can you help me? And it happens on occasion. that Roger just sends me back a text going, you're okay, (laughs) or however he would respond. Because I have people in my life that I can do that with. It doesn't happen a lot. I'm not saying it has to be every decision or every reaction. But if you are stuck, have people in your life that can actually help you walk through that. And then form a response that is thoughtful, kind, and has lots of conviction. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus was the master of responding. Jesus lived in a world of color. Jesus lived in this world where there wasn't just black and white. It wasn't just right and wrong. It was empathetic and compassionate. And that's where he's calling us as a house to move into from a 1.0 upgrade to a 2.0. And it's going to cause us to actually let go of things that that we may be used to. Make sense?
1: Alright, let's stand and let's close. So, Father, I believe that you are calling us to
0: something that has never been done before because you're that creative. Father, I release creativity in relationships, in practices, in occupations, in giftings. I release creativity in this room that there would be a veil that would actually be be wiped, be opened up, torn down, opened up, however we're going to look at that that would let the color in. Holy Spirit, I just, I, I just ask that you would show areas of our hearts that we have actually turned to right and wrong, yes or no, black and white, and we fail to see the color in between. We, we, we just ask, I ask that there be a release, a violent release of color in the spectrum of, of the kingdom, that we would be known for people who respond to you and respond to the needs of people around us, that we wouldn't be quick to judge, that as we're seated with you in heavenly places, we would see the big picture and the process of people we come into contact with
1: and not be afraid of that. And I just say yes as a house to new things
0: and new ways of doing things. Amen? Thanks for listening to our sermon of the week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of His presence. For more information
1: about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.